Welcome to episode three of the Flight Paths of Disc Golf podcast. This week, we interview Scott Stokely, and we get into discussing his projects, his career, and pretty much anything else that happens to come up during the hour. Let's start off on the T-pad as usual. Kerry, what exciting things have you been up to in the past two weeks? Uh, I haven't been up to a lot, but I have had an announcement. So last week, my uh, fundraiser disc came out. So um, being part of Team Westside, I'm able to create a stamp and sell these discs and raise money. And much like the, the pros who raise money to pay for their tour um, and life on the road, the money I raise goes back to women in the sport. Cool. Is that mainly in Kamloops or just? Mostly in Kamloops. So I did a women's league, um, a handicap league this, this uh, summer, and it was free for them to play. All the prizing was paid for. And I've sent prizes out to Alberta and a little gift out to Saskatchewan for a beginner player. And um, just through COVID, especially with my last fundraiser disc, I did a lot of sharing the love around because we weren't playing disc golf in BC um, competitively. So, but yeah, you can pick them up at Okanagan Disc Supply online, $30 each uh, plus tax. And I only had 80 made. So, and all the money raised will stay um, with women's initiatives. Very cool. I've seen the discs and they're very pretty. The stamp is very cool and it's done by, if you check out Judge Havoc on Instagram and Facebook, you'll see a lot of his designs and you've probably seen our new logo and that was designed by the man himself. So very cool and very pretty colors as well. And Yeah, and some beginner friendly discs too. So there's some, I believe all the... Uh, Fusion Emac Truths are sold. They went really fast. Um, there's Warships. There's Fuses. Uh, diamonds, which are lighter weight. Yeah. And then Putters. They're Ruby, which is a lightweight putter. So really great for beginners or, or children. So, yeah. And those are $20 because they're, um, they're not premium plastic. And just before we came on air, we were talking about Christmas. And I think maybe <laughs> next year you should have green and red discs and you can make a Christmas tree on your wall. I could. I could. But um, I'm going to probably get shunned for that. But I'm already in the Christmas spirit. So I was starting to get my decorations out today. So <laughs> my lights are up. <laughs> and I won't be putting the lights up until December. Mine aren't on yet, and they won't be for a while, but <laughs> anyone that knows me really well knows my house is usually decorated by the third week in November. Cool. Anything else? No, not really. Just lots of pickling and baking and kind of, I feel like I'm nesting for winter. I'm getting ready. Cool. Yeah. How about you? What have I been up to? That, um, oh, well, this is kind of, the show's all about Scott Stokely. Um, we have uh, quite a long interview with him, a long chat with him. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But after chatting with him, I decided I'm going to sign up. Well, I have signed up for his six-month online course where he guarantees I'll be a better player at the end of it, assuming I put in the work. For the winter or for the spring? I decided to do the winter. You're a fair-weather golfer. I know. <laughs> so from it starts November the 22nd. Um, Justin and Dan, uh, the owner of Okanagan Disc Supply, have signed up for it as well. Um, Dan has a big kind of warehouse next to his store. So on Wednesdays, we'll be going down there and filming our form and sending it off and getting our feedback and throwing discs. And so, yeah, I'm hoping that it's not too cold so I can go <laughs> at least go outside here. 
Um, but yeah, so we'll find out in six months whether I can throw that disc a little bit further and my game's improved for the new season. That's fantastic. I can't wait. Um, you'll give us updates throughout the podcast. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, and I know, um, as we mentioned before, or actually, I don't think we mentioned it before, but you'll hear on the interview, a guy named Andrew Semniuk has taken the course and he's from Kamloops and he, he thinks it was amazing, but it was a lot of work. You've got to put the work in. So we'll, we'll see. Much like anything, right? Yep. You got to put the time in to get the results. So cool. That'll be fun. And I also got a new disc. Well, I got probably more than one new disc, but I got one new <laughs> disc that I actually went and threw the other day. And um, you'll find out why I bought it when you listen to the interview. But I bought a Berg. Nice. So many people throw them. And I've never thrown one. And I took it out yesterday morning, Saturday morning in Kamloops, and the wind was 60 to 70 kilometers an hour. And it was hard to judge what anything could do out there. I mean, there was one shot. I was going to play a little Anheuser Lion on number one at Rose Hill. And just as I threw it, my hat blew off. My head went back. And this thing just took off, went sideways. <laughs> and and so flew. are you saying kind of like first round TCO style wind you were playing in yesterday? No, more than, worse than that. Worse. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, like it is today, it's like 60 to 80 kilometers now, easily the winds out there just, and Rose Hill is up on a kind of plateau, so quite high up. So yeah, it was, it was not as ugly as I thought it was going to be, you know, but the hardest thing is throwing in a side wind more than a headwind or a downwind, you yep. know, because if you tilt that disc anywhere, it's, Expose it's gone. Expose the nose and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but the Berg did what it's... Scott describes why he likes the Berg, and that's why I got it, and it does do what he says. So just wait for the interview and see what he says about the Berg, because I don't want to put any spoilers in there. Um, apart from that nothing really although we've got some events that by the time you hear this episode will have taken place we've got our club championship which i've signed up for are you playing in that i'm not because um my women's league wrap-up is the e- that evening so i'll be over at dan's shop getting ready yeah it's it's the season's winding down right so the excitement well, for me, the excitement would be starting to plan for next year. Yeah. So with TCO coming up and the Kamloops crush next summer and uh, a few other events happening, that's where my focus will be this winter. So that's what we have been up to the past couple of weeks. Um, let's go to, to the circle and with our chat with Scott. Just a quick note before you listen to the interview with Scott. The sound quality is not up to our usual high standards, and this is because we wanted to get our interview with Scott done before he left for Australia. So Scott pulled over on his trip to the Big Skins game and we talked to him while he was parked in his van. Uh, Kerry was at another remote location and I was in the studio. So again, apologies for the sound quality, but it is a great chat and we hope you enjoy. Well, uh, welcome. We have Scott Stokely with us. Scott, I don't know if you were listening in on episode zero and heard what happened but Clive and I chatted about who we'd like to have as our one guest on our podcast if we could and uh Clive said Scott Stokely and then you ended up in our DMs like two days later I think so 
was really? that just serendipitous or did you actually listen in when we when you saw that we had a podcast no actually what it is and i'm going to let you in on it so it's not much of a secret i posted about this to facebook as recently as a couple hours ago but this whole thing is part of my simulation <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? So many weird things have happened to me and they're all good. I'm like, at some point, like I haven't had any knock on wood, bad luck in so long that I'm convinced that it's not real. <laughs> By the way, and I apologize. I am in a car. Um, I do a ton of podcasts from the side of the road because I'm always <laughs> traveling. And at nighttime, what I do is I pull up to a pump at a gas station because that always has the best lighting. So I'm sitting here at a, <laughs> At a Casey's General store, this is not the first podcast I've done from. I I think yes, you have the best lighting yes, of all three of us. So. <laughs> yeah, mine mine's like well. That's yeah, awesome. It's a good good job with just using the audio right now. But no, thank you for joining us. And as I said to Kerry, I've I've got my guest on the show. After this, it's I'm gone. I'm done. <laughs> I've, my goal is met. But, three well, who's wait, we're over? No. Well, who's Kerry's? first pick as a guest not me i picked cat merch <laughs> you picked cat all right <laughs> i did she's a little firecracker i'd love just to right. chat with her so right on yeah. okay well I'll, I'll i'll settle for 50 percent. okay i'm not so, i'm not offended so you're on your way to the um big skins game yeah the biggest skins match in the history of disc golf Yep, and in, in your YouTube video um, or one of your videos, or maybe it was on um, one of the social media platforms, you were pretty sure you were going to win all the skins. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's remember, it's my simulation. Why would, I, <laughs> why would I lose in my own simulation? That makes no sense. That's yeah. uh, No, I think, I think what I did is I think I said I'm going to win, but please don't tell the other competitors because I don't want to ruin their week. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly what you um, said. And one of the things I've learned uh, from following sports and marketing is that most people that follow any type of athlete, the last thing they want to hear is, oh, I think I'll give it a college try. And <laughs> however I do is just okay with me. Like, no one wants that narrative. Like, no. So for the people who follow me, yes, I'm going to win. Of course, I'm going to win and probably easily. I, in, I, you know what? I had this conversation with my husband the other day about how if it rubs you the wrong way, then you're misunderstanding because it's not arrogance, it's confidence, right? So if when someone says what you're saying, I'm going to win. And people are like, oh, they're cocky. No, they're confident. And that there's a difference in my world for sure. You, you can compete in sports without thinking that you're, you're going to succeed. You, you have to have that mindset. You know, it's funny, like I wrote in my book talking about, you know, because I had all the, you know, the world distance records back in the 90s. And, yep. and nowadays you got, you know, people like Simon Lazat and Gay Singer and, of course, David Wiggins. And I said in the book, you know, would me, when I was 28 years old, beat those players at the top of their games? And I said, hell yeah, I would. Of course I would beat them. However, I would very much expect them to say the same thing about beating me like of course they think they can beat me and i think i can beat them that's that's why yeah. we're good because we we are competitive and we want to win so you know 
Just so, throw like you did at the last skins match and you got it in the bag, Scott. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to do something a lot more spectac spectacular this time. I've awesome. got much bigger plans. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. So, as you said, you're obviously very confident in your ability to play and to coach. And you have your Scott Stokely method. Is that a method that you've come by obviously through your you playing and you learning the game yourself or did you have mentors and instructors on the way that helped develop that <clears throat> neither uh the stokely disc golf method and by the way i do not like talking about myself in the third person i think it sounds horrible okay. but i'm also a marketing person and i brand everything under my name because that's what you should do if any pros are listening do that uh, you, you are your brand right so the stokely disc golf method is a method of teaching that i've developed after doing more teaching than anyone in the history of the sport uh, more than 500 throwing clinics more than 1200 private lessons 400 youtube videos the first dick disc uh, disc golf book uh first book on uh first book on disc golf throwing technique the first three instructional dvds like I developed the, the best process for teaching people how to play the game and how to get good as quickly as possible. Uh, in fact, the big thing that I'm uh, doing right now with my teaching, just, I mean, honestly, like I, I'm trying to compete. I'm 53 years old. Like my focus is teaching. I mean, that's where my, my, most of my passion is right now. And uh, I have a six-month online class um, at scottstokely.net uh, become a complete disc golfer and that is a six-month class where i walk you through live classes interaction you're sending back form reviews to work so it's not like you're just going to watch a bunch of videos and read stuff but it's a step-by-step -step process to learn how to throw correctly uh, and it's the process that works and I, I won't just talk about this the whole night but basically what i've learned is that the end result or teaching the end result is not that effective. Uh, if you've ever watched a video where, where somebody says, okay, here's where you put your foot down on your toe. Here's where you transfer your weight. Right here, you come down to your heel. At this point right here, the hips start to go. Your head needs to be in this position. You need to be leaned over this far before you pull the disc to the power pocket. And, and then your follow-through starts here. And when you're at 45 degrees, you rotate on your toe. And it's like, you ever try to do that? It's like, it doesn't work. So what I've developed is a process, a, a, an entirely different process to get to where you're doing the same thing all the other teachers are teaching, but it's just, it's, it's the process that works. So I'm sorry if that sounded like a sales pitch, but I'm just, I, no. I, I'm so no. proud of this. And we have some evidence that it works here in Kamloops, British Columbia. We, there's a, a guy named Andrew Semenyuk who took your... Basically, I guess it's wrapping up now, the one that started in the spring. And in went May, the May class, yeah. Yeah, the May class. So he's wrapping up now, and he played in the, the BC, BC Provincials. He's only been playing for just over a year and a half, I think. And he played in the BC Provincials along with uh, the division that Carver Whitford was in. And he, I think he finished third in the BC Provincials after a year and a half of play. And, That's great. And, and I asked him, well, I... I had a question I posed to him and a friend was with him and posed the question for me. And because I knew he was taking your course and I said, where do you think you would have finished 
if you hadn't taken Scott Stokely's course. And he was adamant that he would have just finished middle of the pack. So he, he oh, yeah. So he, he's fantastic. very, yeah. And the guy that asked him that question, our friend Justin, is signed up for your course over the winter here now. Yeah, well, the next class starts in November. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's $300 for six months, but you can do it in six payments. Yeah. It, it's just like nobody, not one single person has taken the class going, nah, that was a lot of fun. I, I learned a thing or two, but, but I had a lot of fun. Like you didn't pay 300 bucks to have a lot of fun. I mean, yes, it's going to be fun, but you paid 300 bucks to actually go, Oh, this is what snap feels like. Oh, wow. I can hit my line every time. Oh, Hey, the nose isn't going up. Oh my God. I throw 60 feet further. Like that, like that's what you're paying for. Yeah. And it's my plan. Just to let you know, to sign up next spring because I'm a wuss when it comes to the, I'm an Englishman living in the Canadian winter, so okay. I'm just gonna stay inside with the fire roasting and watch, you know, the uh, Joe Mess Pro or something like that. Well, okay. I've been playing for over 20 years, and I couldn't throw a sidearm until I watched one of your YouTube videos. And I'm now throwing a serviceable after like two months, a serviceable 120 foot sidearm, and it's my goal to work on it over the winter. But I had I didn't realize what I was doing wrong until I watched your video. And I know about half a dozen other people that have said the exact same thing. Well, so, the thing is, is there's so much bad information out there. There is. And, you know, and I'm not knocking the people doing it. They're just inexperienced. You know, a lot of them, you know, they haven't, they're making videos. They're not actually working with people one-on-one or certainly not hundreds or thousands of people one-on-one. So they say these things that seem like they make sense, but, you don't know that that teaching method works until you're standing in front of thousands of people. And when you tell them that thing and they do it, it works. So a lot of the stuff, like keeping the palm up, like people like, like, I don't know how many videos say to keep that palm up, serve the pizza. And it's like a funny story about that. I don't know if that's the video, the recent one you saw about don't serve the pizza. But the funny thing about that is I, I keep thinking, like I make my living teaching this golf. I got to, hold something back and not give everything away on the videos right and then i just watch video after video after video of of people saying to keep the palm up and every single time i'm screaming at my phone i'm like stop telling people that you're you're like you're driving me crazy and finally i just couldn't take it anymore and i'm like god i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna make a video and explain how how that's wrong so i made that video about don't serve the pizza here's what you do with your wrist and there's like 500 comments of like, oh, wow, 50 feet farther, first throw. Yep. Yes. Exactly. Like, and so like, and I'm like, darn, now I can't sell that. <laughs> but it's just, it, it, it just kills me to hear that, to hear the bad information out there because so many people didn't, they don't have a sidearm and now they do. And I mean, that's, it's, it's rewarding, you know, cold, hard cash is more rewarding, but it's still rewarding. Yeah. So <laughs> let, let, let's take it away from the teaching and let, for sure. Just um, here's a question for you. What's been your, throughout your career as a player, what, what was your, the biggest obstacle or challenge you, you, you've, you think you've overcome during your playing career? As far as, 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 far as playing or, yeah, as far play, as li- or as far as life? Well, I mean, maybe they're connected. Um, no, they're not connected. They're not connected. Okay. Okay. So d- during your play, <laughs> playing career. Uh, the playing career, the biggest obstacle I faced 
was that I've always been very weak as a, uh, my finesse game. It's always been the weakest part of my game, you know, the, the finesse shots. And I practiced them the most. I trained on them the most. Now, okay, when I say I'm, like, weak, before I, like, people think I don't know how to throw finesse shots, it's the weakest part of my game. I still finished fourth place at the Pitch and Putt World Championships where we played nine and a half rounds on the shortest, like, 5,400-foot courses. Like, it was all finesse golf. I still finished fourth place at, at the World. So it's not like I'm bad compared to – but just bad compared to the other parts of my game. It's always been weakest. And about four years ago, I started throwing the Berg, and it turns out that I'm really good at finesse golf now. It's the strongest part. Now, I would say it's the strongest part of my game, but it's, it's no longer a weakness. It's, it's at least as good as the rest of my game now. And it seems strange that a disc would make the difference. That disc made the difference. Sweet. That's awesome. And I think partially because you could throw it hard. So I, I no longer have to throw a disc slow. You can throw a berg as hard as you want, and it flies like 12 feet and just stops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. And, well, let's, let you, let's go to the other part of that then. Um, and for anybody that's read your book, they might have an, an idea of some of the challenges. But what's the biggest challenge in life then that you've overcome? Oh. Well, the biggest challenge in life is after the my, my book ended in 2001. Okay. Uh, the biggest challenge in life was when I I came to the conclusion that that uh, because my businesses were failing around 2013 ish, that if I didn't have to sleep, that I could get a lot more work done and I could not have my house foreclosed upon and I could save my business. And with all these incredibly noble motives i decided to to start using drugs and uh turns out no one told me but it turns out uh not a good idea <laughs> uh, apparently apparently when you use drugs and you don't sleep you make really bad business decisions and 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 uh next thing you know uh by the way i always say i started using the drugs too because i was trying to like work more and save my business just like someone starts on painkillers because they're you know, they had surgery, like, but that doesn't mean you're always taking those for pain. I wasn't always taking them for business. Eventually, I'm just a drug addict. I'm just using drugs because I wanted drugs. It's the way it works. Uh, turns out, again, I'm not special. That's the way it works for everyone. I thought I was different. Nope. Um, so that was that was probably the biggest challenge is just coming back from that. Um, in hindsight, I, probably, I, I about 15 years ago, I quit smoking, which was probably a probably a harder thing to actually physically do was, was that, that that drug but it, it didn't my life didn't it wasn't life changing at that moment so it, you know it's kind of secondary to the drug thing but it's been about i got it we're talking about eight years now since since i was doing that stuff it's been a long time so i got a question for you scott kind of in that vein you left disc golf twice in your life around 17, 18 years old, and you came back and you talk about it um, openly on your podcast and in your book, family of disc golf was there for you. And again, this time you're speaking about, again, family, disc golf. Do you still feel that sense when you're out there back on tour? Like we see it like in this younger new era of disc golfers, van life, and everyone's camping together and they got each other's back. But as 
that seasoned disc golfer that knows what disc golf family is and the strengths that it brings to your life. Do you still feel that out there on tour? So there, there's definitely a camaraderie on tour among the players. There's no doubt there's a camaraderie that comes from a shared hobby. We all share this thing around the world. But it's, it is not the same. Okay. It is not like it was. Um, now, before you think I'm one of those old people that, you know, back in my day, things were so much better. Um, absolutely not. You know, if I had to list, uh, you know, the 20 biggest things, you know, that make up this golf, 19 of those things are better now than they've ever been. Right. I mean, more, more women play, there's more money, more acceptance in the community. And there's, I mean, like you name it, right? Like everything about this golf is better. The one thing of the 20 that's never going to be as good again is that camaraderie, uh, not the camaraderie, but the, the family atmosphere. Now you said you've been playing 20 years. So you were probably catching the tail end of it where you saw, you saw what, what it used to be like and what it's like now. It's yeah. awesome now. But it was a little different back then. The thing about the old days, and I started in 1976, and the thing about it was that everyone that played was a misfit. I mean, even people that, you know, that put on a suit and tie and went to work and lived in the suburbs, they were actually misfits, you know. Uh, we, we spent our time playing with toys in the park with other adults that liked playing with toys in the park. It was completely <laughs> counterculture. Nobody understood what we were doing except for us. Yeah, You know, uh, like our spouses didn't understand why we played. Our bosses wouldn't give us time off to go play. You know, you got tired of telling the person next to you on the airplane why you were flying to a tournament or what, because you'd have to explain what Frisbee or disc golf was. Nobody understood us but us. And there was something about that that brought us together. Um, as the sport has become more mainstream, it's never going to, it'll never be that way again. And if you follow me, you, you'll know that I'm not the most financially driven person in the world. So I do like it the way it was before while acknowledging that it's better now for far more people. And I, I heard, uh, I want to say it's either Jen Allen or Des Redding or maybe them together talking about when they go to the pro worlds, they enjoy it, but there's just no camaraderie afterwards. Everyone's so serious. They go back to their hotels. They're done till the next day. Whereas when they go to masters pro worlds, everyone's out in the parking lot, they're hanging out, everyone's visiting. They said they really, they have more fun and they kind of have that feel from those days at the master's worlds more than the pro worlds. And I, I'm guessing it's because it's that age, right? The, that feel and that re those memories. I think so. I mean, the thing is the, the world championships have always, or we're always a family reunion. Yeah. Like this is the one because you have friends all over the country. You're traveling, you're going. When I'm in Kansas City, I stay at Ben's house. And when I'm in I stay with Mike Sarah when I'm in Dallas. And I could I can tell you every single person I would stay with year after year after year. And, and those are friendships and those those are bonds that you create. And at the World Championship, all those people are there at once, right? Yeah. It's a it's a family reunion. And there didn't used to be money in the sport. And you know, like back in the 90s, like there was virtually no money. You know, first place at a tournament, uh, at, a, at a decent size tournament could be less than the cost of the airline ticket to get there. Wow. So you, you buy a $400 plane ticket to go to a big tournament where first place is 250 bucks. Like 
that was not unusual. So like nobody's actually playing for money, even though you're playing for money, technically you're not really playing for money. Um, and in fact, I, I was the first player to actually make a real living playing. I, 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 I bought a house playing disc golf, not from prize money, but sponsorships and, and running the events. And then I'd, I'd, uh, I'd align it. Uh, the first like big tour series discs were, that were for me. And then Ken Climo started making good money with the KC line uh, within a year of that. But m after the two of us, it dropped off pretty fast. So when you take that out of the equation, it's like, what are the, what are your motives for going to the tournament? Friendship. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's, you know, but the thing is, though, that doesn't make it better back then because there's 100 people to world championships now that are going there to win a world title. That's a life-changing, you know, event. Like that is financial stability for the rest of your life. It's, it's, it's life-affirming. It's, it's everything about it is like, like you should be in your hotel room at 9 o'clock sleeping. If you're out socializing, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. So they're not they're not wrong. It's just that it's different now. It's a business. It's different. It, it, different. It's been said so many times this year. The new era of disc golf. So and you find yourself firmly planted in it, which is for me kind of cool because you're like, I, I know <laughs> you swear you're not an OG, but I feel like you are because you're one of the first to tour. You're out there with Glenn Whitlock and touring and going to all the events. So for me, you are an OG. But um, it's kind of neat to see you planted into the disc golf pro tour scene now with all like it is going to the skins game with like Gannon Burr and uh, Simon Mazzotti. It's super cool. Oh, and don't forget about the part about me, you know, beating them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're going there to beat these kids. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because like I've, I've like I am the only person that really bridges the gap between the old days and the new days, you know. Like last time I was in California a few months back, I was I, I took Dan Roddick, Susie Horn, Mark Horn, and TD Ugaldi out to dinner. I mean, they don't have their PDJ numbers added together are less than two hundred, and and uh, and these are my closest friends. And they were playing in the Rose Bowl days, and they were playing. Dan Roddick was playing before the IFA days, back in the like late sixties, early seventies. So. I, I am bridging like the only one out there that kind of connects those two things. And I, and I actually take it really serious. That's why I, I do so much stuff on history. They Being involved in disc golf and in this uh, pandemic with so many new people coming in in the past two, two and a half years, I would bring up your name and they're like, Scott Stokely, like, what's he doing? Like, who's this guy? And I was like, you should do some reading and find out who Scott Stokely is. Like, he's not just another older guy coming on the scene. Like there's, there's this generation of disc golfers that didn't realize who you were when you decided to come back out onto the pro tour, which. Yeah. Now, now everybody knows, right? Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it is really, it was probably the best career move. I, I mean, I didn't do it as a career move, but it's like probably the best career move I could have made. Cause I got exposure to everybody, all the pros, like either they, they, they welcomed me with like open arms and respect, or they were, they were skeptical, but they were kind to me until they saw how serious I took it. And then immediately let me into their, their group. I was, I was one of them. Well, the thing is, is I, you know, the question is like, do I belong out there, right? Now people would say, of course you belong. You're Scott Stokely, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's a load of crap, right? Like if, if I'm not out there competing 
then I'm I'm taking a spot from someone, you know, probably some kid who wants to be out there too. So do I belong out there at 53 years old? I that was a question that we didn't know the answer to in February. Um, by season's end, um, I didn't play anywhere near as well as I wanted to, but I cashed in about half the events and didn't cash at half, which meant that like I was kind of hovering around the cash line, but that's like middle of the pack. Like if I was in the NBA on a 12 person team, I'm the number seven, six or seven, you know, player on the team, right. I'm coming off the bench, but I'm certainly good enough to be on the bench. (laughs) And so like, it was great because I, you know, I do still belong out there. My last, my last DGPT tournament uh, before the DGPT playoffs started, I finished 11th place. And I'm like, it made me feel really good because I didn't know in February what to expect. And, and so, yeah, so I felt good about it. Will you be back on tour next year then? No, uh, cause, because here's the thing. If I go out on tour, I'm going to win everything. And I don't want to break their hearts. <laughs> no, no I'm, no, I'm actually leaving in nine days. I'm leaving the country for the next several years to go play disc golf around the world. Wow. I knew you were going. Yeah, congratulations. Yes. I knew you were going to Australia. That's where you headed first. Oh, that's the first. Yeah, six weeks in Australia, but it's two tournaments and eight throwing clinics all over the East Coast. And then I'm going to go to New Zealand and it's going to be eight throwing clinics and I think a tournament. And then I'm going to go spend four months in Southeast Asia. I've got clinics and tournaments in Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, and Japan. Um, and then I'm going to do the entire Euro tour. Uh, which is going to be crazy. Like, I, I'm just like, like I'm going to play the whole Euro tour, just like I did this year on the pro tour, but except I'm going to go to all these places in Europe. It's like the coolest thing. And then uh, at the end of the season, my plan as of right now is there's four tournaments in Africa, Tanzania, Ethiopia, Kenya, and South Africa. I want to go play all of those. And I got this, this bug in me that I want to try to figure out how to, to help introduce disc golf to India. Um, I got some friends, disc golfers from India that are really excited about it. And I'm talking to them about what we could maybe do. So maybe next year I'll get, I'll spend some time there talking to some organizations in India that might actually try to get disc golf there. But then at the end of next year, I'm going to do the Euro tour again. So it's going to be a couple, couple, it's going to be a couple years, but I just want to go promote disc golf around the world and play disc golf and, and, and by the way, the teaching classes are they're online, so I'm, I'm gonna I can do this from anywhere. So don't, yeah, that that's, you know, well, I, I started the online part, partially why I started the online classes was to allow me to travel because I've been doing seminars and clinics everywhere. I also want to make sure I could reach thousands of people instead of hundreds of people. But you know, I set myself up to be able to travel. Cool. That's going to be an amazing adventure for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure all those young bucks that are playing on the pro tour are breathing a sigh of relief knowing you're leaving. Oh my God. As soon as they got the word, they were like, cool. I'm going to go. I guess I'll, I guess I'll play next year. (laughs) (laughs) I I heard, okay. I don't, okay. I don't want to like, okay. I don't want to spread any rumors, but I heard that that both Ricky and Simon had decided to sit out next year if I was going to (laughs) play. But but since I'm going to be in Europe, they're going to play. Nice. Yeah, it's just what I heard. I mean, I, I, you know, but it's from a reliable source. 
It's from oh. a U.S. news. It's, it's from. It's from a. I heard on the U.S. news. So it's from a reliable. <laughs> it's a reliable source. Yeah. Cool. cool. So, um, I just want to say the sport's lucky to have someone like you. Like what you're about to do for the next two years is promote what we all love to do and showcase disc golf to, like you said, countries that might not know really what it is. And I'm just going to say thank you. I I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I make very excited. Um, by the way, all my social media, I will be documenting everything. If y'all know me in social media, I'm not shy. I'm not abandoning all the hard work I've done to grow my business and my brand in the U.S. I'm going to be um, giving people, if you follow me, well, then you get to come join me to all these places. I'll take you to all these foreign countries with me, and I'll show you the countries, but I'll also show you the disc golf scene there and the culture of the sport and the culture of the non-sport. So you know, will so you be doing lots of the Scott Stokely adventures, the non-disc golf stuff, sharing with us? Yes. Yes. Okay. If you're, if you're interested in, yes, Scott Stokely adventures is the non-disc golf stuff, which I've just completely separated because it, it turns out that most disc golfers don't want to hear about non-disc golf stuff and vice versa. Um, like, like my coolest videos on YouTube are like, you know, a seven day canoe trip through Canyonlands National Park where we didn't see another person for five days camping in these box canyons all by ourselves. It's like, it was the coolest trip ever. It's like 800 views. Like no one, no one cares about the Canyonlands. Um, if I make a video of me, like, you know, making a long putt, it gets like 30,000. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I separated those. But Scott Stokely Adventures has tons of cool stuff um, unrelated to disc golf. Like we do every single tourist trap you can imagine. Uh, everybody you ask says, oh, we stop at all the tourist traps. No, you don't. We do. <laughs> we, we've seen the world's largest everything. Will your six-month courses still be going while you're away? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge part of what I do. Um, and it's important because the way the classes work is they're live classes. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to be, well, hey, if you miss the class, you can watch the recorded version and post to the forum. Um, I've got a bunch of paid trainers in there and myself but the live classes are uh, if you can if people make them it's fun because it, it, that's the you know live interaction yeah. uh, oh I, absolutely cool. there's there's like that's the core of i mean i wish i could travel with a trust fund <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the classes the i would say actually my online disc golf classes with everything i'm doing um those are the core of what i do as far as my living and my brand so that is something i take very serious yeah. So, yeah so that ain't changing cool and you talked about your non-disc golf and uh, this was kerry and i kerry brought this up but what's behind the barbecue sauces and i've got to order some because i love barbecue sauce but where yes, did that where, to order some. Where, where did that come from okay we first off will you please order four thousand bottles I, i'll give you a discount <laughs> give us one free <laughs> Yeah, one, uh, if, one if you free buy, with every 4,000. That's right. If you bought 2,000 of them, I'd give you the other 2,000 for free. <laughs> um, so so basically, <laughs> basically, this person gets a hold of me, and he says, uh, he goes, uh, hey, he's like, hey, just want uh, to talk to you. We want to put your face on barbecue sauce. And I said, yes. And he says, wait a second. We haven't even talked about how we're going to, like, like, how much you're going to make. And my response was, I said, yes, it's just too weird, right? Like my face is on 
barbecue sauce. Like I'm like, I'm the absurdity of that is just was too much to pass up. That's where it started. It wound up with me buying 5,000 bottles of barbecue sauce. <laughs> I know my, my, my Adriana, you're just laughing. Is this, the, here's the conversation I had with her. Hey, by the way, just so you know, uh, I just spent $20,000 on barbecue sauce. Am I making up a word of that? No. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> by the way, um, uh, by the way, they're, they're, no, they're selling pretty well. Um, it, it was fun. The barbecue sauces, there's four different flavors. They're fantastic. I learned all about the industry. Like I paid extra money to, to have them with um, it's sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. It's like, I mean, they are really, really good. Um, the only problem is they're not really inexpensive. You, it's it's uh, four bottles for uh, for 30 bucks. Then when you pay shipping, you're paying 10 bucks a bottle. That's the cost of premium barbecue sauces, like 10 bucks a bottle. But you got to buy four bottles. So, But they're selling pretty well, though, and the response has been great. And do you ship outside of the U.S.? That's a great question. Canada, I think, I think we can to Canada. Okay. Especially if we tell people that the box is filled with marbles. <laughs> Not that I would actually intentionally violate federal sh shipping laws, but um, no, I think, I, I believe, I think Canada's uh, okay, but we can't ship them anywhere else. It'd be too expensive to ship elsewhere, anyways. Okay. I was just saying, most people that are listening to us um, are Canadians. So if they wanted yeah. to pop onto your website and buy it, then uh, they would have to know that they, they can actually get it. So okay. So did, wait. I've just had an idea, that I think that Carrie and I will order, well, if she doesn't want to, I'll order a couple of packs and we'll have a flight past Scott Stokely Barbecue sometime after a. A, yeah. a little, you an should, event here. You should do that. And in fact, uh, I wasn't actually clear earlier. I said uh, I spent more money to do real sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. I actually spent even more money. I didn't use real sugar. I used maple syrup. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Did I just endear myself to Canadians, or did I just, <laughs> or did I just stereotype you like like no. an ignorant American? No. No. <laughs> if there's one thing that you're safe with, it's saying maple syrup. Is it okay? Yeah. It is what it is. We're okay yeah. with it. Yeah. I just, I'm curious because you're there, you're on tour, you're seeing all this young talent out there. Did you have someone this year, FPO, one FPO, one MPO, that you just really enjoyed watching play or how they held themselves on the course or? <laughs> interacted with fans was there someone that just really caught your attention that you were super proud to be around or liked being around okay for fpo it's easy so there's there's two okay um first it's first it's Kristen because she is playing right now the best any woman has ever played disc golf absolutely you know, it's like it, it, you, you can't say she's the GOAT. You can't say she's the best of all time. She's got some time to prove herself. The more competitive the sport gets, the harder it's going to be to gain those titles, you know. So at some point, three world titles is probably going to be good as good as pages five. And that's just the way it works, right? Because this is, as, as there's more parity in the sport. So I, I can't predict, like, how she's going to stack up, like, on paper. But the game she's playing is the best any FPO player has ever played the game. Yeah. 
that's really, really, really fun to watch. Um, and I think uh, if I had to pick, I think Ella Hansen might step up and be better. She's, I feel like she's, I, I really enjoy watching her. She's got a fantastic sidearm. She's uh, being an ultimate player. She understands how the, the flight of the disc and how to throw it. And yeah, I really enjoyed watching her. I, I'm glad you said Ella. That's very yeah. cool. So I, she, she's the one to watch next year. Cool. Like I think I think she's I, she's ready to have her breakout year for sure. So those are the two. Um, as far as the MPO players, I mean, as far as what players to watch, like I mean, Cole Radalin and and Gannon Burr are very high on my list. They're they're both they're I don't know how many world titles they're gonna have between them, but it's it's gonna be uh, you know it's gonna be a handful, I, I believe. Um. And not just because they're good and young. Lots of players are good and young. But when I watch them, I'm like, you're good and young, but I, I see a cap in you. Like, those two, I see taking the game to another level if they choose to. You know, it's fun to watch Paul still do it. You know? Like, all these players, they're younger. They throw farther. They're more talented. You know, some people might say they've got better sidearms. They're blah, 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 blah. Their numbers, look at their, their putty numbers are better. And then when it comes down to it, Paul Macbeth is still Paul Macbeth. Like him winning worlds, it was, God, it's just, there's something about that. Like the ability to do that in that situation, that's so stellar. Um, although I'll say probably, I would say number one this year, I think I, I love Simon's like breaking out party. Yeah. You know, I, I love, I love Simon. He's one of my best, or, you know, my bestest, my, I, people I like the most on tour. I know Simon really well. I was hanging out in his living room a couple of weeks ago, uh, chatting with him. And I love Simon to death. And I, like, I wasn't surprised at all that he had this year. I was just like wondering when it was going to happen. Now it happened. Now that's Simon. This is, Hey everybody, this is the Simon when Simon wants to golf. This is what Simon has always been capable of doing. So I would say probably, I probably my favorite person to watch this year has been probably Simon. Cool. Do you have a favorite course that you've played? I mean, Eagles Crossing is is very much, uh, very, very, very special. Um, it, it is, it's nearly perfect. There's still a, there's still a couple. I, I still think there's a couple trees that need to come out. There's a couple, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of, not because it's, I don't mind tough, but it's a couple yeah. trees that I think add an element of randomness that I think could go. I think the course could be even better. But with those trees, it's the I think it's the best course out there still. It's so hard. It's so tough. It's so like it'll make you think you suck at disc golf. I don't care who you are. You can walk off that course going, oh my God, I'm a husband. Um, it, it, it can kill you. Um, and there's so much, everything from the sculptures and the art and the manicure and the, like everything about it's so beautiful. Um, as far as actual courses go. Uh, besides Eagles Crossing, because it's a special situation. I mean, you have you have a piece of land. It's a perfect piece of land that already has the lakes in, and then someone puts a million and a half dollars into just the course. Yeah. So you're gonna get something different there. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I mean, I think that I'm torn between Toboggan and uh, I think Toboggan and Northwood Black. I think those two courses are probably the best pure golf courses out there um 
and I thought that I got I don't know there's something about the course in Des Moines that I thought was just super fun I also love the course at the Butler County Open I love that course it's there's two there's still enough trees where there's just too much luck involved I was to just call it like that I was watching the, the I was watching it on coverage and I was just like ah like they just need to take out those three trees and it would be way better. yeah it is it is it, 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 oh no that course that course could be the best course in the world or, or darn close um but it was just so fun I mean every single basket 18 baskets are on the side of a hill <laughs> where you can hit there is a hole, uh, hole number three. Like if you played there, if, if they do league there every week, I guarantee this has happened. That a player hits the basket and the disc rolls a thousand feet. <laughs> and I'm not joking about that. Like, it, and that's not, I'm not exaggerating. The, the, it can roll a thousand feet on a missed putt. And there's something about that that's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, those are all, those, those are, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. There's not a bad course on tour. Awesome. Like the worst course on tour is, is an A minus course. I mean, they're all, every one of them's good. They're all great. And it, it's nice to see, like, and I noticed at the disc golf pro tour when Ricky and Kristen and Owen and uh, Isaac, they're all giving their speeches. They're thanking the club and the volunteers and the time in to make Nevin the course that it was and that goes so far right like I think often we can nitpick the courses or we can say this could go but the time in just to make the course spectacular so people can play it is yeah. awesome they're all they're all good courses like nice. the only way you could actually find fault in these courses is if you never played courses in the 90s or the 80s or the 2000s like like the worst course on tour would be would have been the best course in the 90s because every course in the 90s was a par 54 approach and putt you step up to the tee pad you throw the you know your mid-range you know to the hole and try to put the putt in yeah. as interesting and as fun as those holes were like some of the holes were interesting fun lines beautiful terrains i mean for the time they were special but ultimately the course in the 90s were approach and putt you know where where uh, you know a player, any player from the modern era, which is what people are capable of playing, could play any course in the 90s, you know, myself included with a mid-range disc, and you're trying to birdie every hole. Like, yeah. that's, that is a part of the game. It's not the game. Yeah. You know, it's, that is, it's approach and putt. It's, it's just not, it's not a complete sport yet. So all the courses now are phenomenal. Like, I love them. My biggest, in fact, when I'm traveling, that's going to be the, probably the thing i'll miss the most i mean as much as i miss the miss the players the thing i'm probably going to miss most uh, golf wise is there's going to be a lot of those par 54 or maybe a par 56 courses out there that i've really enjoyed not playing i like <laughs> shooting a 70 and have it be a 1020 rated that's yeah. real golf to me and then if i shoot a 74 it's you know it's 995 well i should have shot better but i i, I much prefer that Cool. You, you talked about discs there. Do you have a favorite disc in your bag? The Berg. The Berg. I mean, all, all of my discs are tour series discs uh, available at scottstokely.net shop. Um, <laughs> but they're all like, so all my discs are 
disc that I chose. I went to the company. I asked them to make a tour series disc for. So I love all of them for for specific shots. But the Berg is the one that, like, that's the only one that changed my game. You know, like, I love, like, no matter how much you love a felon, if all of a sudden someone paid you to, to throw the Firebird instead of the felon, like you make the transition in about 30 seconds and, and then you're just fine. Um, if someone told me I couldn't throw the Berg, then what else do I throw for those shots? I mean, it's a very specific disc. So it's the most irreplaceable. And it also made me a finesse player. Love the Berg. Awesome. Like, I'd like you to just talk about, if you don't mind, you just made an announcement this week. Um, I watched the the video um, on YouTube yesterday. You're, you're starting a new project, which seems as uh, a directory oh. for coaches. Ah, it already started. Actually, it's already yeah. live, up and going. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I love this. So basically, I have a uh, a directory called uh, discgolflessons.com, and this this directory, the goal and and, and what's going to happen is it's going to be a uh, directory of every single person in the sport that teaches disc golf is going to be in that directory. Um, that is going to include like professional private lessons, professional throwing clinics, of course, but it's also going to be anyone that wants to teach or that teaches kids classes or does birthday parties, corporate team building, special needs classes, maybe just online form reviews or virtual lessons, but any type of teaching disc golf you can imagine the directory will be on the site and anybody that wants to be or anybody that is a teacher uh, of any kind, all they got to do is put their name on the site and then I'm going to send you students. Like it's not an original model. I mean, you list your name in a directory, people looking for your services find you, right? And I'll be marketing the heck out of it. And and uh, I, I even, it's a bit of a catch 22 because I can't, I can't ask people to pay to list their names when I don't, when I'm not advertising the site yet and bringing in students, but I can't advertise the site until there's teachers on the site, right? Um, so what I've what I've done is I've set it up so uh, when you do your um, the enhanced listing, it's free for the first six months. So if you want, if you're a teacher, list your name, discgolflessons.com. What you do, put in your bio. I'll send you students for the, over the next six months, completely for free. And then at the end of six months, once you see how many students I'm sending you, you decide if you want to stay on the site and that that you'll pay that it's like 20 bucks a month i'm not it's like it's very inexpensive but it's free for six months now here's the cool thing though well that's cool but <laughs> the other part of this is if anybody wants to teach disc golf or wants to uh wants a path to become a disc golf teacher i i've created that as well uh all you're gonna do is you're gonna i'm uh, sorry if, to be a disc golf teacher um, teaching the Stokely Disc Golf Method, this method that I've developed. All you do is go to scottstokely.net, sign up for my six-month class. And once you take that class, uh, at the end of it, you'll be familiar with the method. All you're going to do is take a two-hour certification class, and you'll be certified in teaching the method. And then you put your name up on the website along with your certification, which is going to, you know, it's going to enhance your listing, and then we'll just send you business. I'll, I'll send you students. So, once you're familiar with the method, you'll be able to teach the method uh, for sure. That's part of the process for um, uh, it's the path to get there to teach disc golf. And somebody who's like, well, they're new to disc golf, or are they really qualified to teach disc golf? Well, okay, even if you've learned the method, if you've been teaching for 
you know, or playing disc golf for six months and then you take a six month class. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of thousand rated players that are going to hire you as a coach. That's reality. But you will be better than 97% of the players out there and every single new player in the sport or players that have not played for long or players that have been playing a long time that haven't never gotten it, you're qualified to teach them. You're qualified to do group classes for beginners. You're, quali- you're, you're still qualified to teach. So I'll teach you the method and then you can teach. I'm, I'm so excited about this because this method works. And the idea is I want to change the culture of the sport. You know, it's not just about, hey, I can get people to sign up for my classes. I'm actually cannibalizing my market to some extent because I'm trying to teach these online classes while simultaneously saying, oh, but you can go hire a teacher um, in your town. Like, I'm sure I'm losing business in the short run by doing that. But I don't care because what I'm creating is a culture of this golf coaches and teachers have value. Just like in ball golf, just like in baseball, just like in basketball, just like in most other sports. So the big picture is, I lose a little bit of business early on, but hopefully I'll create this culture of teaching where like everybody's gonna gonna succeed by doing this. You know, the teachers make money doing something they love, which is awesome. But the people that take the classes get better at disc golf, which makes disc golf more fun for them. So yeah, it's like, you got me going here. because I'm <laughs> This is my most recent project, but I'm so excited about it. I just oh, picked up the website and it's super easy to navigate. Like. To hop in there, sign, like put yourself, like it's a very easy website to navigate. So. Yeah, thank, thank you. We, um, I had nothing to do with the website, so I'll, I'll pass the credit along. The person that takes the credit for the website is, might be listening in right now. Um, but yeah, that's the whole idea. So uh, it's exciting. And if you want to be a teacher, either sign up for the six-month class or just message me direct. I can send you more information. And if you're a teacher, just list your name on the site. It won't even cost you anything for the first six months, and I will start sending you students. Yeah, and I'm glad you talked about how, you know, you don't have to be a 1,000-plus rated player to be a coach. Um, no. Yeah, because a lot of people who played a high level don't know how to pass on the information Right. Um, to that it's the same with any sport i've coached basketball soccer rugby whatever and i've been competitive in some of those sports and not so much in others but you, you know i've been a lot of time i've been coaching youth and as long as you can pass on the correct information you know you don't have i don't have to be paul Macbeth to be able to coach a 10 year old in the basics of a sport you know or no, I, you know, I, I, absolutely or, not yeah. By the way, one other thing, too, which is really nice is um, we're, we're going to be setting up or working to set up it'll be like Stokely Method Training Centers. Like if you have a pro shop, you know, certify two or three people in your town that you can then be sending people to and certify them in the method. And everybody's getting the right advice. Like nobody's taking my classes and then getting injured or taking my classes and playing worse. Like the method works. So it, it, it helps spread everything, you know, uh, through the through the local pro shops, and um, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. I mean, this like I want, I, I, like I I want it to be where if you're a teacher in disc golf, it's just mandatory you got to be on this site. Um, like I said, it's only it, eventually after the first six months cost twenty bucks a month, but even that, um, I will be taking a big chunk of that money that comes in and marketing the website because all these people are paying to list their site. Well, I mean, it's business, right? That's how it works. 
I have to take a bunch of money to make sure everybody out there knows about the site so they can go on and hire the, the, the people that listed their name. That's, that's my responsibility as the site owner. Um, so, I mean, I'll make a little bit of money off it, but it's not really financially driven. It's, it's, um, it's more of a culture shift that I'm excited about. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, I'm looking forward to, um, I say next spring, taking your uh, six month Stokely method course. Um, I love it. I can't uh, wait. And then, um, yeah. And I, it'll be cool because, um, doing something like that every couple of weeks, I'll, you know, I'll be able to give our little feedback at the bidding of, of what I've been doing and how it's been going. Yeah. And, you know, I love, I love that. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then who knows? After that, I'll try and get my little you know Scott Stokely rubber stamp of approval. You know, so <laughs> it's 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 you know, all these things are not original ideas. I mean, they do that in ball golf. You have your yeah. your well-known ball golf teachers, but you know, not everybody could see them, and so they certify other people in how they do things. Yeah, so and- I'm not I'm not reinventing any wheel here. It's just it hasn't been done in our sport. You're not, but. I heard you on your podcast say, or maybe I read it somewhere where you said uh, you see so many people that have great ideas, but no one acts on it. And if that's how you lived, they, you wouldn't live. Like, you know, you say they have these great ideas from the couch, basically. And when you have a great idea, you initiate it and you go for it and you do it. Every single time. That's my biggest lesson in life. People pull the trigger on your damn ideas. Like I like, you know, I mean, I said the barbecue sauce is doing well. It is doing well, but I think when it's all said and done, I'll probably lose money on the barbecue sauce. But I don't view it as losing money on the barbecue sauce. I lo- I view it as I am making money in the business of Scott Stokely because barbecue sauce is one part of many things that if I didn't have the attitude of going for it, I wouldn't have done those things that make a lot more money than I'm losing in the barbecue sauce. Yep. You know, I mean, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that you go out and mortgage your house because you've got this idea for, a, you know, some restaurant called Can't Beat a Fajita or something like that. <laughs> a very good. Uh, by the way, a very good friend of mine did that. That's why I bring that up. Oh. Um, you know, I mean, you don't have to be stupid about it, but it's like, stop talking about ideas and just do them. Well, like, early on, you said that. You didn't want to work five days a week to have two days off. You didn't like that idea. So no, that's a horrible idea. That is, a, okay, everybody listening, you've been programmed to think that that's the way you're supposed to live because that's the way we live. You work five days to get two days off. You work 50 weeks to get two weeks off. Why do you do that? Well, that's just what you do. Excuse me? Like, where is that in writing? Show me that that contract that you signed when you turned 18 years old and said that you're going to do this bullshit, you know, now, now there's, there's nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with choosing to do that because maybe you just like stability. Maybe that, you know, there's, you, you, you want to take care of your family and you don't want to take risks because you've got responsibilities. There's nothing wrong with living that way. There's absolutely not. What's wrong is when people think that that's the only way and they do it because they're supposed to do it instead of actually looking at it and saying, well, is that really what I want? And everything takes time because everything I've built out now is taking years and years to do. And a lot of years of not making money, it's like, you know, it takes work. You know, it takes really hard work. Like when I started doing these full day seminars, which made really good money, 
I first did 1,200 private lessons in three years. I made pretty decent money in my private lessons, but 1,200 private lessons meant different town every other day for three, (laughs) for multiple years, you know, but next thing you know, I have 1,200 private lessons. I got 1,200 people writing me reviews. Now I can start charging really good money to do these full-day seminars, but I I couldn't have done the full-day seminars until I drove around the country, you know, I slept in some truck stop parking lots when I was doing this. Like, it's not that this stuff is easy. It's just go for it. You know, I I just, I couldn't, I couldn't say that loudly enough. Go for it. You have an idea, go for it. Stop talking about it. Do it. Sweet. There you go. Yeah. You know, my daughter's in university, but we just told, we always tell her, um, you know, whatever you end up doing, as long as you can pay your bills and you're happy, you don't have to have the education. Education comes in so many different forms. She's choosing to go to university and be a teacher, which is fantastic. But, you know, she's also an artist and a writer. And so more may come of it. I worked in the wine industry I, I, nine years. And I, you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I loved it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, and you, by the way, you're absolutely right about, about education. It's college is great if the the job you want to have requires college if that's the path if you want to be a nurse awesome well then you have to go to college you want to open up a business you don't need a business degree you want to be an artist you don't need an art degree like you know saddling yourself with eighty thousand dollars in debt you know so you can walk out with a degree in gender studies or art history or basket weaving or or business administration or, or any of these things and next, like, you're, then you're doing something else anyways. Like, yeah, I, but, you, but you do have to be educated. It's not about not being educated. It's not, it's, it's about the not formal, you must do it this way education. The one thing I would say for to everybody to keep in mind is that the people that tell you your whole life, you got to go to college are typically part of the same system that is part of the college system. If you're, if you're part of academia, you are part of this system. Of course, that's your path that you see. That's the path you took. And it's, it's a, you know, yeah. it's a school building going to a bigger school building. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's not true. You can make a damn good living as a plumber, as, as an electrician, as a mechanic doing, I mean. Disc golf. You found a way to monetize disc golf. Yes. Right? Yes. I love, by the way, I love talking business. I can talk business all day. I love <laughs> It's just I wish I wish uh, I wish I could just grab everybody and shake them, well, not the babies. Don't shake the babies. Back on like in six months when you're partway through your tour of the world after you're done, like, you know. I mean, I'd love to have you come back and just and just tell us how it's going with your business and the online stuff and traveling another country. I, I think it'd be great. Yeah, well, I can actually spoil it for you. It's going amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is my it's my simulation it is. like i'm like on i am on the biggest win streak of my life and and like i feel like the person at the craps tables that's just like have, i don't know how craps works i think you get a certain number of turns in a row the more money you make or something anyways i'm that person right now <laughs> like like if the rug might get pulled out from underneath me tomorrow but as of right this minute like um <laughs> I, I keep putting my num my, my chips on the right number on the roulette table. I don't know. 
you took the chance on yourself and you put in the hard work and you put in the years and it's paying off. And I failed a lot. I have failed more than anybody. <laughs> Don't ever forget that. Yeah. The person who fails the most, like to succeed the most, you have to be the person who's willing to have failed the most. So God, things are going great right now. I've had many ups and downs. It has not been smooth sailing my whole life. I have made tons of bad decisions, business and otherwise. So like I said, I'm on a hot streak right now, but I'm very much aware of the fact that, you know, it's the real world. Yeah. <laughs> things can change on a dime. But as of right now, knock on wood, uh, yeah, things are going pretty good. I think it's going to go pretty well for the next couple of years for you as well. So, and, and I, yeah, wish, I yeah, wish you all the best with your, your travels. It's going yeah, to be, it's for going to be sure. awesome. And I can't wait to and, hear about them. Yeah, make sure you say hi to Carver too. I can't wait to meet that kid. I love that you said his name. I'm, I I love the connection we made. So, yeah. Oh, he's such a he's such a good kid, and I talked. I mean, I've talked to him and his dad now several times. I, he's uh, by the way, he's forever grateful. Well, it's funny too. If you ask him what we talked about, he'll be like, he'll be like, yeah, Scott just talked business the whole time, and and he started telling us how to run our business and grow our brand. Like That's I, awesome. I love. I, that was our whole conversation. We had a whole conversation about. Like, what's his path? He wants to be a pro. He wants to, to succeed, maybe do disc golf for a living and the path to get there. And I'm like, we talked for an hour and I said, look, I, I got to, like, if you follow this path, this is like, it's going to end well. And he seems like such a genuinely good kid. He is. That, that, that he's like, like, he's going to succeed no matter what. So uh, just hopefully I, I, you know, gave my little, my little, helped a little bit yeah scott it was uh it's invaluable really what you did for him was great and we appreciate it we're all like you talk family and kamloops the disc golf community in kamloops and Kelowna. a lot of us have been around for 20 plus years and um i've known carver since he was very very little and it is like family we've all got their backs and we get excited i just had carver stay with me he needed a place to stay for provincials so i Put him on the couch and he was in yeah he's he's a good kid and we've got yeah, his back for sure a good, he's a good golfer too <laughs> isn't <Yeah>. he <laughs> he's yeah. yeah he's gonna be he's he's gonna be good i think he won the provincial division he was in um by 10 10 strokes i think yeah really yeah, yeah he's gonna I mean, he, he he will be a thousand rated pro um i i never predict any kid to be a thousand fifty rated because like the difference between a thousand rated, thousand fifty rated is there's intangibles that are impossible to predict. Yeah. Um, I think you you can predict a thousand rated pro though, with certain skills. Car Carver is in the group of thousand rated pros, and then who knows where his ceiling is. Amazing. Um, but it's it's he's he'll he'll be a thousand rated pro, and he could be on the pro tour. Yeah. I believe. I, I can't wait for him to hear this. <laughs> yeah. And just for any listeners that aren't sure, we're talking about uh, Carver Whitford, who is, how old is he? 15? He's 15. 15, and he lives in Kelowna, British Columbia. And yeah. I, it's amazing. They post the, um, you know, they have the league nights and everything in Kelowna. They post every week, and there's always a picture of Carver. <laughs> he's, he's just killing it. He's just like, if I want to get in, in pairs in Kelowna, I want to be paired with Carver. 
Yeah, he's yeah, really yeah. He, he wins everything. Yeah, so. he's just yeah, he's just tearing it up. Well, unless I come to town, I'm gonna then I'll I'll, I'll put it. Then in you're winning spot for sure. <laughs> I'll smoke him. I have I have I will have zero pity on him. <laughs> We can get you here one day, Scott, when you're done yeah. your world tour. And yeah. we'd yeah. love to have you up here and uh, have you and Carver. And we have a, we actually have um, an Olympic gold medal athlete, an adaptive athlete here in Kamloops who plays disc golf. So oh, we'd, we'd love to make something full circle happen here in Kamloops one day, getting you up here. And uh, oh, that, that's awesome. I'll smoke them both. <laughs> They ain't afraid of no damn kid. I'm yeah. I love it. Don't take, love this it. is sports. This is sports. When I'm competing against you, I don't take. I have no pity on anybody. I will. I will beat you as badly as I can possibly beat you. And if if you beat me, I'll shake your hand. Love it. It should be. Well, thank you for your time, Scott. I appreciate yeah, it. It was really fun. And well, um, yeah, go. Even though you're going to win all the skins, just you know, go easy on them at the same time. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna. I'll keep it close on purpose. Okay, okay. sounds great. Yeah, it's I'm better television. Subscribe now, just so I can watch. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I mean, it's the biggest skins match. It's gonna be a hundred thousand dollars skins match. It's gonna be worth watching on, on the on the, like an epic course. It's gonna be special. Sweet. Cool. Well, you have a great evening. What's left of it there? It looks pretty dark. And um, ah, I got three hours left. We'll be there by midnight. Oh yeah. Okay. Safe travels. Yeah. Yeah, safe travels. I'm not yeah, wishing you, you luck because you don't need it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. My simulation. I don't need luck in my simulation. That's right. All right. Thanks, you guys. Okay. Take All care. Right. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Okay. So that was our chat with Scott Stokely. I want to thank him for giving up his time on the way to the Big Skins game and then Australia and the rest of the world, which I'm sure he will conquer. Um, with his wit and style and disc golf expertise. What were your impressions of Scott after getting to chat with him? Well, I've been a Scott Stokely fan for a long time, so uh, it was really cool to actually have that conversation with him. And I think I said it in um, one of our stories on Instagram that I posted. It was like talking to a to a friend, like yeah. you haven't talked to in years. And his just super impressed with his comeback to disc golf um his rawness and his openness about his journey and he'll share anything and how he treats it like a business and what he's doing to uh build his brand out and um get disc golf to people um just super fun super impressed and i'm sad he's going to australia for two years because i was hoping to maybe see him next year if i got out to worlds so but i wish him luck and he's gonna kill it no matter where he goes uh, i agree and I bumped into a local pro, Ryan Watson, down at Okanagan Disc Supply, and he asked about the podcast, and I said we just chatted with Scott, and he goes, oh, the first time I met Scott was his first tournament on his comeback in 2014 or something like that, and it was a Halloween contest, and he came dressed up as a zombie, and he was the only person dressed up. <laughs> and, and to me, that, that sums, and he was fine with it. I mean, that sums up Scott. He is, he's his own man. I think we can all learn from the way or his perspective on life. It's basically do what you want to do. Have fun. Just go out there and, and, be, and be yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. He'd rather see you 
doing something uh, than sitting on the couch and regretting it, right? Definitely, definitely. So thanks again, Scott, and uh, good luck in all your travels. And we would like to thank anybody that's listening. This is our third episode. We have another guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but another exciting guest for episode four lined up. And just a reminder, we are sponsored by... Okanagan Disc Supply. Get online, shop Okanagan Disc Supply, and use the code FLIGHTPATHS for 10% off. And it is free shipping with over $100 in purchases across Canada. Okay, so any last comments? Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, this podcast, share it. It's available on all platforms. So um, yeah, we'd love to... And leave us a, leave us a comment comment let us know who we should be interviewing who you guys would like to hear from okay thanks Kerry. another good show thank you clive it's been awesome we'll see you in a couple of weeks be back. Bye.